Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. And welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. This will be for section 102. So let me read the minutes to this one. Uh, Minutes, I just read the word minutes. Let me read the heading first. Minutes of the organization of the First High Council of the Church at Kirtland, Ohio, February 17, 1834. The original minutes were recorded by elders Oliver Cowdery and Orson Hyde. The prophet revised the minutes the following day, and the next day the corrected minutes were unanimously accepted by the High Council as a form and constitution of the High Council of the Church. Verses 30 through 32, having to do with the Council of the Twelve Apostles, was added in 1835 under Joseph Smith's direction when this section was prepared for publication in the Doctrine and Covenants. Um, sometimes when I'm teaching a class, I like to do a demonstration of a high council meeting because this has to do with uh, disciplinary councils at the stake level, and uh, it's quite interesting, but uh, sometimes it helps to have a demonstration. Anyway, I'm going to read a couple of historical things about this section. This section consists of the minutes of the meeting at which the first stake high council was organized. It is not a revelation, though the principles out of which it grows were revealed to the prophet. In ancient times, the church or earthly kingdom of God was governed by councils. This system of government was patterned after the order of heaven. It was essential in the restoration of all things that this divinely ordained system be restored in this dispensation. As the church grew in numbers, the necessity of a system of governing the saints grew with it. As early as 1832, the Lord had directed that a stake be organized in Kirtland, Ohio. With the organization of the first stake, the idea was formalized for a council of high priests assembled to settle difficult matters. A council of twelve high priests had assembled for this purpose previously, though it had served only on an ad hoc basis. On the 17th of February, 1834, approximately 60 members of the church gathered at the home of Joseph Smith in a special meeting to call 12 high priests to serve as members of the high council in what was the first stake organized in this dispensation. The minutes of the meeting included the following. Brother Joseph then said he would show the order of councils in ancient days as shown to him by vision, the law by which to govern the council in the church of Christ, Jerusalem was the seat of the church council in ancient days. The apostle Peter was the president of the council and held the keys of the kingdom of God on the earth. He was appointed to this office by the voice of the Savior and acknowledged in it by the voice of the church. It was not the order of heaven in ancient councils to plead for and against the guilty as in our judicial courts, so called, but that every counselor, when he arose to speak, should speak precisely according to evidence and according to the teaching of the Spirit of the Lord, that no counselor should attempt to screen the guilty when his guilt was manifest, that the person accused before the high council had a right to one half the members of the council to plead his cause in order that his case might be fairly presented before the president that a decision might be rendered according to truth and righteousness. Brother Joseph said that this organization was an ensample to the high priests and their councils abroad. It was then voted by all present that they desired to come under the present order of things, which they all considered to be the will of God. 
In a meeting held five days earlier, the prophet had observed in ancient days councils were conducted with such strict propriety that no one was allowed to whisper, be weary, leave the room, or get uneasy in the least, until the voice of the Lord by revelation or the voice of the council by the Spirit was obtained, which, was, which has not been observed in this church to the present time. It was understood in ancient days that if one man could stay in council, another could, and if the president could spend his time, the members could also. But in our councils, generally, one will be uneasy, another asleep, one praying, another not, one's mind on the business of the council, and another thinking on something else. Our acts are recorded, and at a future day they will be laid before us, and if we should fail to judge right and injure our fellow beings, they may there perhaps condemn us. There, there they are of great consequence, and to me the consequence appears to be a force beyond anything which I am able to express." Ask yourselves, brethren, how much you have exercised yourselves in prayer since you heard of this council, and if you are now prepared to sit in council upon the soul of your brother. All right, verse 1. This day, a general council of 24 high priests assembled at the, at the house of Joseph Smith, Jr. by revelation and proceeded to organize the high council of the Church of Christ, which was to contain or which was to consist of twelve high priests and one of three presidents, as the case might require. The high council was appointed by revelation for the purpose of settling important difficulties which might arise in the church, which could be settled, which could not be settled by the church or the bishop's council to the satisfaction of the parties. Joseph Smith, Jr., Sidney Rigdon, and Frederick G. Williams were acknowledged presidents, stake presidency, by the voice of the council, and Joseph Smith, Sr., jo John Smith, Joseph Coe, John Johnson, Martin Harris, John S. Carter, Jared Carter, Oliver Cowdery, Samuel H. Smith, Orson Hyde, Sylvester Smith, and Luke Johnson, high priests, were chosen to be a standing council for the church by the unanimous voice of the council. The Kirtland High Council was a unique body in, in the history of the church, not only because it was the first and for a while the only high council, but also because the first presidency served as the stake presidency of this standing high council. Later, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles was formed as a traveling high council, and on July the 7th, 1834, the prophet organized a second high council in Clay County, Missouri, and with David Whitmer as president and William W. Phelps and John Whitmer as counselors. These first two councils were, were constituted before there were wards and before stake presidents presided over bishops and quorums of high priests. A standing council is a council that, that has authority in a specified area, in this instance the Kirtland stake. A traveling high council is not confined by such boundaries. Today we refer to those whose authority is not limited to a specific area as general authorities or general officers of the church. That was by Joseph F. M Joseph Fielder McConkie. Verse 4. The above-named counselors were then asked whether they accepted their appointments and whether they would act in that office according to the law of heaven, to which they all answered that they accepted their appointments and would fill their offices according to the grace of God bestowed upon them. The number composing the council who voted in the name of and for the church in appointing the, the above-named counselors were 43, as follows, nine high priests, 17 elders, four priests, and 13 members, voted that the high council cannot have power to act without seven, a quorum, of the above-named counselors or their regularly appointed successors are present. Se these seven shall have power to appoint other high priests whom they may consider worthy and capable to act in the place of absent counselors. If some high counselors are not available, other high priests may be invited to attend. So that's what normally happens if there's a disciplinary council that's necessary that uh, they will ask high priests to, uh, to attend in place of those that might be vacant from the high council.
verse 8, voted that whenever any vacancy shall occur by the death removal from office for transgression or removal from the bounds of this church government of any of the above-named counselors, it should be filled by the nomination of the president or presidents and sanctioned by the voice of a general council of high priests convened for that purpose to act in the name of the church. The stake presidency nominates names for the high council and they are appointed by the entire high council or approved by the high council. The president of the church, who is also the president of the council, is appointed by revelation and acknowledged in the, pre in the administration by the voice of the church. Today it's the stake president. And it is according to the dignity of his office that he should preside over the council of the church, and it is his privilege to be assisted by two other presidents. The counselors in the stake presidency are referred to as president, appointed after the same manner that he himself was appointed. And in case of the absence of one or both of those who are appointed to assist him, he has power to preside over the council without an assistant, and in case he himself is absent, the other presidents have power to preside in his stead, both either of them, both or either of them. Counselors to a president may preside in the absence of the president if they have been directed to do so by the president. Counselors have no authority independent of the president. When the president is released, they are also released. That was Joseph Fielding McConkie, verse 12. And in case, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, verse 12. Whenever a high council or the, of the church or of Christ is regularly organized, according to the foregoing pattern, it shall be the duty of the twelve counselors to cast lots by numbers and thereby ascertain who of the twelve shall speak first, commencing with number one and so on in succession to number twelve. In a church disciplinary council, the members of the high council draw lots. Those drawing even numbers, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, and 12, assume the obligation to look after the interests of the one for whom the council is being held. Those drawing odd numbers, 1, 3, 5, 7, and 11, assume the obligation to look after the interests of the church. This, however, does not suggest that an adversarial relation exists. We misunderstand the spirit of the council if we suppose that half its numbers act as prosecutors while the other half act as defenders. Rather, all twelve men, in concert with the presiding three members of the presidency, unite as one to determine truth and establish right or justice. Verse 13, whenever this council convenes to act upon any case, the twelve counselors shall consider whether it is a difficult one or not, and if it is not, two only of the counselors shall speak upon it according to the form written above. In other words, numbers one and two. But if it is thought to be difficult, four shall be appointed, and if more difficult, six, but in no case shall more than six be appointed to speak. The accused, in all cases, has a right to one half of the counsel to, pre present, to prevent Ill insult or injustice, and the counselors appointed to speak before the counsel are to present the case after the evidence is examined in its true light before the counsel, and every man is to speak according to equity and justice. Those counselors who draw even numbers, that is, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, and 12, are the individuals who are to stand up in behalf of the accused and prevent insult and injustice. In all cases, the accuser and the accused shall have a privilege of speaking for themselves before the counsel after the evidences are heard and the counselors are appointed, who are appointed to speak on the case have finished their remarks. In 1840, the prophet gave this counsel relative to the holding of church disciplinary councils, that the council should try no case without both parties being present, or having had an opportunity to be present, neither should they hear one person's complaint before his case is brought up for trial, neither should they suffer the character of anyone to be exposed before the high council without the person being present and ready to defend him or herself, that the minds of the counselors are not prejudiced for or against anyone whose case they may possibly have to act upon.
Verse 19, after the evidences are heard, the counselors, accuser, and accused have spoken, the president shall give a decision according to the understanding which he shall have of the case, and call upon the twelve counselors to sanction the same by their vote. The principles here stated, if followed, will assure that what is right and proper, and in the best interest of both the accused and the church, will be made manifest. Church disciplinary councils do not center on an effort to define points of law, but rather in the quest for the direction of the Spirit to assure the preservation of justice and truth. Normally when the stake presidency um, retire for a few minutes to discuss it after they've had the discussion among the twelve, uh, they then come up with a decision and it's ratified by the counselors and then they bring it to the High Council for a vote and ratification. Verse 20, but should the remaining counselors who have not spoken or any one of them after hearing the evidences and pleadings impartially discover an error in the decision of the president, they can manifest it and the case shall have a rehearing. Verse 21, and if after a careful rehearing any additional light is shown upon the case, the decision shall be altered accordingly. But in case no additional light is given, the first decision shall stand, the majority of the council having power to determine the same. In case of difficulty respecting doctrine or principle, if there is not a sufficiency written to make the case clear to the minds of the council, the president may inquire and obtain the mind of the Lord by revelation. The decision of every disciplinary council should be sustained by the spirit of revelation. It is customary in such councils for the presiding officers of the council to retire for prayer in which they seek the confirmation of heaven on their decision. That was Joseph Healy McConkie. Verse 24. The high priests, when abroad, have power to call and organize a council after the manner of the foregoing to settle difficulties when the parties of either of them shall request it. And the said council of high priests shall have power to appoint one of their own number to preside over such council for the time being. It shall be the duty of said council to transmit immediately a copy of, the, of their proceedings with a full statement of the testimony accompanying their decision to the high council of the seat of the first presidency of the church. Where stakes of Zion have been established throughout the world, this instruction would be obsolete. Should the parties of either of them be dissatisfied with the decision of said council, they may appeal to the high council of the seat of the first presidency of the church and have a rehearing, which case shall there be conducted, according to the former pattern written, as though no such decision had been made. In other words, they won't just rehear it, they'll redo the whole thing as if it was starting over from fresh. Verse 28, This council of high priests abroad is only to be called on the most difficult cases of church matters, and no common or ordinary case is to be sufficient to call such council. The traveling or located high priests abroad have power to say whether it is necessary to call such a council or not. There is a distinction between the high council or traveling high priests abroad and the traveling high council composed of the twelve apostles in their decisions. From the decision of the former there can be an appeal, but from the decision of the latter there cannot. The latter can only be called in question by the general authorities of the church in case of transgression. The prophet added these verses, 30 to 32, to this section in the 1835 edition of the Doctrine and Covenants. Their purpose is to place the newly formed quorum of the Twelve above the stake high council in authority. The Twelve have the right to review and overturn, if necessary, decisions of a stake high council. Verse 33, resolved that the president or presidents of the seat of the first presidency of the church shall have power to determine whether any such case, as may be appealed, is justly entitled to a rehearing. After examining the appeal and the evidences and statements accompanying it, 
The twelve counselors then proceeded to cast lots or ballot to ascertain who should speak first, and the following was the result, namely, Oliver Cowdery, number two, Joseph Coe, three, Samuel Smith, Samuel H. Smith, four, Luke Johnson, five, John S. Carter, six, Sylvester Smith, 7. John Johnson, 8. Orson Hyde, 9. Jared Carter, 10. Joseph Smith Sr., 11. John Smith, 12. Martin Harris. After prayer, the conference adjourned. Oliver Cowdery, Orson Hyde as clerks. Uh, anyway, this is the pattern for uh, councils that are held in the church, and uh, this is a, makes it an organized way. Uh, as Elder Oaks once said that uh, disciplinary councils are not a punishment, but they are to help uh, members get back on track. I bear testimony that these things are true. Say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.